Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all? And welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Can you believe we've entered the last month of the season? We have made it to November. Happy November, y'all. We've made it through another season. Pretty much, there's not a whole lot left. Uh, Masters 1000s are over. Grand Slams are over. Now it's really just the year-end finals and uh, kind of putting a wrap on this season. It's been an incredible season, and we'll get to a wrap of this season here in about a month when everything is over. The Davis Cup still has to go on. The you know, the in turn, the Nito ATP finals still need to happen, and then they get about a month and some change off, and we move into Australia for the Australian Open. So before you know it, we're going to blink, and it's going to be Grand Slam season again. However, we have made it to November, and there was an exciting, exciting end to October. Why do I say exciting? Well, because it is the Masters in Paris, and that's always a good, they always get a good turnout there. There were a lot of upsets I believe in this tournament uh, early on, like guys, guys were dropping like flies early, but then at the end, it's it's one guy standing above everybody else, like it's been for so many years. Novak Djokovic wins another tournament, his 40th Masters 1000 title. That is the first player ever to achieve that 40 Masters 1000 titles. I talk about guys in this podcast that win titles all the time, right? We talk about this every single week. We go, oh, great job. You know, Alcaraz, you won a title. You have, you know, 12 total ATP titles. Um, you know, Medvedev, great job. You won a title. I think he has like 20. Um, Sitsipas, great job. You won a title. 250, 500, 1,000, doesn't matter. You have 10. Listen to this stat. Novak Djokovic has won more career titles than all the other ATP finalists combined. And by finalists, they mean the ones that have qualified for Turin in the ATP finals. Alcaraz has 12. Medvedev has 20. Sinner has 10. Rublev has 14. Zverev has 21. Tsitsipas has 10. Runa has 4. They have 91 combined ATP titles. Djokovic has 97. Djokovic has 97 ATP titles. And while we're on this topic, uh, Novak Djokovic has more Grand Slam titles than any of those guys do ATP Tour titles. Zverev is the highest there with 21. Djokovic has 24 Grand Slam titles. That's the greatness we're witnessing right now with Novak Djokovic. And I think a lot of people take it for granted, but... He just continues to step up to the plate and just hit home runs, right? It's like in baseball, right? If you hit like in baseball is one of the sports where like if you hit, if you hit a base hit one every ten times, you have a good bat, you have a good batting average, right? It's like he steps up to the plate and it's a home run eight out of ten times. And I don't know how fair that comparison is, but it feels like that's exactly what's happening. Novak Djokovic is insane when it comes to what he's doing right now on tour. And no one can seem to beat him on a consistent level. Alcaraz, yes, beats him this year at Wimbledon. And then Novak comes back and wins the U.S. Open, right? Novak wins the Aussie Open. Novak wins Roland Garros. No one can touch Novak Djokovic right now. And it's actually kind of insane. It's kind of nuts. To get to where we're at right now, we got to go back and go through this tournament that, that was just played. 
All right, let's get to Paris. Everybody is playing in this tournament. Last week, I talked about it in the podcast about the seeds and who was all in this tournament. Everybody seems to be playing in this tournament. It's kind of like the last hurrah of the year in the forms of tournament style, right? Davis Cup, yes. Some smaller tournament, yes. Um, You got the Nito ATP Finals, yes. But this is like the last big, big hurrah when it comes to tournaments. And everybody seems to be playing in it. Novak Djokovic, you already know he wins this, but he cruises to the final. Let's talk about some of the upsets that kind of happened early on. I mean, obviously, the most shocking one is Carlos Alcaraz goes out in his first match against uh, Suf- Safiulin. Safiulin? That's how I'm going to say it. Safiulin. Um Beats Carlos Alcaraz 6-3-6-4. Not sure exactly what was going on with Carlos Alcaraz in that match. And then, obviously, Sa- Safiulin... There's a reason he's a qualifier. He loses the next round to Karen Hachinov. Um, but that was a huge upset right away. A huge third-round match was uh, Stefano Tsitsipas versus Farev. Like, that seems like a semi or a final. Um, Tsitsipas wins that one, gets the best of Sferov. Um, And then Grigor Dimitrov. I'm going to talk about him in a sec, so I'm not going to even get to him yet. I'm going to get to some drama in this tournament right off the bat. Um, Taylor Fritz withdrew. In the second round, not sure exactly what's going on with Taylor Fritz. As the number one American, I hope it's okay. Um, he might just want to end his season early. Not not saying that's why he not saying that's why he withdrew, but I'm saying this would end his season early if there's an injury there to give him more time to recover, right? There's no it doesn't seem like there's a real reason to hurt yourself even more right now and hurt yourself for the next season, right? Like, if, if you have a lingering issue or a really bad issue, that can be worse at this tournament. Withdraw, come back to the States, and you'll have about two full months to get ready for Australia. Um, not saying you want to go on vacation early. It just comes down to he'll have more time to recover this way, and if it could get worse, you don't want to start next year already injured. So he withdraws from this tournament. There's a little concern there. Um, have to keep an eye on that moving forward. But the biggest story, I think, other than Novak Djokovic winning it, Grigor Dimitrov going on a big run, which we'll get to here in a second. But Yannick Sinner withdrew from this tournament. One of the best players in the world, the four seed in this tournament in Paris, withdrew against Alex de Manure. I believe this is the third, yeah, in the third round. He beats Mackenzie McDonald in three sets. He goes the distance with Mackenzie McDonald. He gets done at like 2-something in the morning. The schedule for the next day comes out, and he was playing like at 1 in the afternoon or something. Make that make sense, right? You, as a player, as a professional athlete, work hard, and you play the next day, correct? Yes. You work because of how the schedule was. You end up working and playing that night into well into the morning, And now you have less than 12 hours, which includes recovery after the match, sleep after the match, breakfast, preparation, hit, go to the match. You only have 12 hours to do all of that. 12 hours. What are we doing? Like, how is that a thing? Why is he forced to do this? Isn't there a night session? Right, you're playing a night session one night, and then the earliest session the next day. Y'all know there's got to be a possibility for him to play late into the night. If you want really, really good matches at this tournament, you got a really, really good match late into the night. Congratulations! Don't put him on at one. You just walked this dude out of your tournament. Yannick Sinner's on a heater right now, and you walked him out of the tournament. What are you doing? And it doesn't seem like this is a 
you know, a beginning issue. This this seems like it's been a thing, right? Jose Margado on Twitter sends out uh, a tweet that says, "This is the this is the time of play tomorrow," and it's that schedule. He doesn't play at necessarily one in the afternoon, but he's like the he's like the fourth he's like the fourth match on, which could be sometime in the afternoon. He said he didn't get home until three. So if you say, I mean, he would have to play at probably like four, maybe, or five that night, right? He'd have to play at that time, which gives him about 12 hours, right? One o'clock might have been bold, but it gives him about 12 hours um, to get ready. Well, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but if these matches go fast, someone gets hurt, boom, it's faster. Um, so that's what the schedule is. He, he sends out that tweet. Casper Rude says, bravo at ATP Tour. Way to help one of the best players in the world recover and be as ready as possible when he finished his previous match at 2.37 a.m. this morning. 14 and a half hours to recover. What a joke. That's what Casper Rude says. Casper Rude's a pretty quiet guy. For him to say that, wow. Um, and then Vasic Pospisil says, the ATP Tour has never cared about the players. In 2018, I finished a three-hour battle at 12.45 a.m. and was scheduled to play at 1 p.m. the next day. Not joking. All they could say was, this is within the rules. The next day, I herniated my disc after four games, had surgery, and was out for nine months. You know, that's obviously an extreme example, but still, it's Yannick Sinner. He's the best player in the world. And it do- one of the best players in the world. It doesn't even matter if... He is one of the best players in the world. These are professional athletes. You ever think they're going to let LeBron play a late-night game in L.A. and say, hey, by the way, you got off the court last night at 11 p.m. At noon tomorrow, y'all got another game. Right? And LeBron has the luxury of sitting out a little bit of the game. Not in tennis. Not in tennis. You're there. You're out there by yourself the whole time. I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't know who it makes sense to. Yeah, maybe it's in within the rules, but you're absolutely shafting somebody here, right? Someone's getting the short end of the stick at all these tournaments. I get the scheduling. You're already asking a lot for these guys to play every single day in a Masters 1000 tournament against some of the best players in the world because of how popular these tournaments are. And this is what you're doing? That doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm not here to like come at the ATP Tour I'm just reading what's going on here and logically sitting back in my my apartment in Missouri just thinking, well, pfft, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense to me. But I digress and we move on because was Yannick Center going to win this tournament? I don't know. But the way Novak Djokovic is playing right now, probably not. That was insane. I'm off my soapbox, but like, that's got to be frustrating as a tennis fan. Imagine buying tickets the next day thinking, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to watch Yannick Sinner play. He won last night. This is awesome. Oh, he left. Why'd he leave? Because he has no proper time to recover his body before turn. And it's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. Guys are dealing with injuries. They're banged up. They're getting ready for turning. Doesn't make sense. I did, like I said, I'm off my soapbox. We got to move on. Grigor Dimitrov, what an incredible tournament by Grigor Dimitrov. He cruises all the way to the final here, and he just continues to play really, really good tennis through and through. Grigor, on his way to the final, unseated, had to beat Lorenzo Musetti, had to beat Daniil Medvedev, had to beat Alexander Bublik, and then he had to go beat Hubi Hurkac, and then he had to go beat Stefano Tsitsipas, and then he made it to the final and lost to Novak Djokovic. The incredible, incredible tournament 
by Grigor Dimitrov, and he plays really. He's played really, really good tennis. He was crushed after he lost this match. Um, sometimes I think guys, you know, they, they they come and they go, right? So he, you know, doesn't play great tennis for a little while, and then all of a sudden he plays really, really good tennis, and he's kind of getting himself back on the map here again. And he plays really good tennis here in Paris, um, and makes it all the way to the final. And loses Djokovic, who's obviously the better player. Djokovic is so good, but it still hurts. And after the match, he was just crushed. You know, he, there's that opportunity right there. I don't know. It's one of those things where you don't know if you're ever going to get that opportunity again. And I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily what he's thinking, but it seems like that's the case here. When you got a guy who doesn't always make the final of tournaments, and he has an incredible run, beats a lot of really, really good players, makes it to the final, and then he runs into the goat. And uh, it's a crushing loss because it's so hard to get there. It's so hard to get to the final in a Masters 1000. It's so hard to, to win a Masters 1000. He was right there playing incredible tennis, and he falls short. So stick taps to Grigor Dimitrov. What an incredible tournament. What a great tournament by him. Fun to watch, as always. Awesome to listen to his interviews. He's such a good dude. Um, and, you know, hopefully more success for him moving forward because I think tournaments are better when Grigor Dimitrov plays really, really well in them. Um, let's get to some news here. Uh, Stefano Tsitsipas has recorded uh, the milestone of 300th win in his career when he got the win over uh, Hachinov in the quarterfinals in Paris. So congrats to Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, and uh, here's another thing by Tennis.com. Did you know by recording his 50th win of the year against Verov in Paris today, Stefano Tsitsipas becomes one of two players, male or female, with 50 or more matches um, win, to win 50 or more matches in each of the last three years. He joins Rublev in that very exclusive club. Uh, Rublev and Tsitsipas kind of seem one of the same, where they just continually get a little better, and they just hang around and play good tennis all year. They might have an early exit or two here and there. Um, they're never going to be spectacular. You know, I'm not going to say never, but it never seems like they're spectacular, but they're never bad, right? They're, they're just, like, good. They're always good. Every once in a while, they're great, but they're just good. That's what it seems. So, uh, you know, great milestone for Stefano Tsitsipas, and uh, looking forward to watching him moving forward when it comes to what's happening in turn in the ATP Finals. Uh, he, he definitely can do some damage there, and he's done damage there in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised um to see him do really 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 well in turn all right let's get to some more stuff uh Iga Swiatek what an incredible year by Iga Swiatek year end number one last year year end number one this year and she just won the WTA finals that were in Cancun um incredible I mean she's remarkable she's the youngest woman to achieve the feat back-to-back year-end number ones um since Caroline Wozniacki in 2010-2011 um it seems like she's unstoppable she plays great tennis she's really really good she's level-headed she can do it um and she continues to win Iga Swiatek an incredible year she's still so young too like she's not very old yeah Iga's only 22 years old and she's doing all this so she's got a huge career ahead of her she's really fun to watch the WTA finals were good uh the the scheduling of it, I don't, from what I believe and what, sorry, not what I believe, what I read and kind of did a little bit of research on, it looks like some rain and some bad weather kind of pushed a couple sessions out and to different days. And so it took longer, I believe, than it than it needed to, or it just got pushed a little bit more and the scheduling was a little weird, which that's just weather. It was in Cancun, so uh, Mexico, so I know there was a little bit of weather, but other than that, like, uh, it looked like 
Coco played pretty well. Uh, Arena Sibalenko played really, really well. Uh, but Igish Fiatek comes out on top there in Cancun. In other news, we're going to get to some other news here real quick before I let you go. Casper uh, Ruud, like I mentioned, was out early against uh, Francisco Serendolo in Paris. And with that, uh, he is out. Of, he was out of the race to turn, and he where he was a runner up last year, and he was fighting for the number one ranking in the world last year at this time. And this year, he'll finish outside the top ten. So, not really his year. Uh, I've talked about it on this podcast a few times. It's just a weird year for. I don't know. It was just a weird year for Casper Ruud. It just was like he just. It didn't seem like he was himself most of the year. So. Yeah, hopefully he's back next year. He's he's fun to watch on tour. He's so close to. I think he was in three finals, um, in three straight majors. I believe it was U.S., Aussie, and then French. And he was he was so close to winning a major, and he didn't. And it's not easy to get that close. So he's that close again. If he gets that close again, can he capitalize? I think he can. He just got to get there. So I'm kind of looking for a huge bounce back year for Casper Ruud here in 2024. But unfortunately, in 2023, it just was not his time. Um, I think that's going to be it. Uh, we got some news to get to next week. I know I've, I keep talking about Turin, the year-end finals. If you're not familiar with tennis, the top eight guys in the world play in a year-end kind of final, and the winner of that is like, you know, wins the ATP finals that year. It's not a grand slam. It's not anything, but nevertheless, it's, it's a bigger tournament. It starts on the 12th, which is actually next week. So we're going to get to that probably next week. What is it? The It probably starts in five, six days. So uh, today's Tuesday. I'll try to get to that this weekend before they kind of get things going in Turin. I'll probably preview the ATP finals. So uh, that, then the Davis Cup, and then the next-gen finals, and then it's over. So a lot of exciting tennis ahead still, but not a lot of tennis. Uh, I know I said a lot of exciting tennis. I meant like the tennis that's coming up will be exciting, but there's not a ton of tennis left. So enjoy it while you can. There's not a lot of time left. Um maybe a month left of tennis-ish, not even. And then it's time to turn the page and get to 2024. So that'll be here before you know it as well. I appreciate you listening. This was a little longer episode. We had a lot to get to. Novak Djokovic, still so good at tennis. Still so, so good at tennis. And it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if he won uh, the ATP finals here in a week or so anyway. Because, I mean, he's just so elite. It's unbelievable what he can do at his age. That's a conversation for another time. I feel like I have that every time on this episode. Appreciate you listening. Novak's a winner. Grigor played really well. What happened to Yannick Sinner? He had to go out early. That was weird. A lot we wrapped up here. Igish Fiatek, congratulations. An incredible year. I cannot wait to see what she does moving forward. And uh, I can't wait to get back on this mic next week and talk about a little uh, Nito ATP Finals. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.